morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome back to the Candy Bag Beer. Well, I am on a roll. I'm doing my best to uh, remain consistent <laughs> and come with good topics <laughs> and good information so we can all learn. Anywho, thank you for tuning in. Before we get to the bullshit, let's handle the business. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at itsthecandybagby at gmail.com. Facebook, the candy bag B, all caps, and on Instagram, the candy bag underscore B. All right, so um, last week I uh, talked about compatibility and the five types of compatibility that there are and I hope everybody learned something I actually learned like new things to apply to my friendships and my partnership so I was really excited to learn that and to have some growth and learn something new which I enjoy so today's topic we are going to discuss failure to launch syndrome that is failure to launch so what brought this topic about is um there is actually a movie with sarah jessica parker and matthew mcconaughey called failure to launch and my country accent will make it sound like i'm saying lunch but i'm saying launch okay so the basis of the movie, if you haven't seen it, it is a 35-year-old man still living with his parents. He is actively dating, has no issues bringing women to his parents' house for sex. When he brings them to meet his parents, that means that he's about to break up with them. His mother was still doing his laundry and cooking his meals. He was also still in his childhood bedroom. Both of his best friends are also still living at home with their parents. All of the friends of his parents have the same issue with their adult children, which is they are all still living at home. So the parents and the friends of the parents they make excuses as to why their ch adult children still live at home. All right. So Matthew McConaughey's character, right? He is attractive. And as my partner likes to say, conventionally attractive, very fine as a white man, that pink meat, I would let him hit. Like that's how attractive he is like to me. Right. He's charming. He has a good job. He uh, is a broker. He sells boats. He is very interested in boats. And he knows a lot about boats and he has like passion when it comes to boats, right? Now, for most women in their 30s, early to mid 30s, maybe close to 40, they will see that as potential because he has a job. He has something that he's passionate about and he find the only thing is he lives with his parents. So to a lot of women, that's potential. They can see potential in that. And in that potential, that's how they get caught up in the fact that he is immature emotionally and mentally now he may have the sex part down pat but all the other areas he's very immature okay now he does not want to commit he is afraid of love because when he was younger his fiance died so from that moment he was stagnant how the age that he was when that happened was early 20s no, late 20s. 
from that moment on, he was stagnant. He did not move any further than that space emotionally from that moment forward. As soon as a woman that he's dating or seeing, having sex with, begins to ask the questions, what are we, or wants to move forward, he breaks up with them. If he has to make adult decisions, sound decisions, he runs. So his parents hear about a specialist, a beautiful woman who specializes in uh, gentlemen who have failure to launch syndrome. And she has seven steps to help them get out of their parents' home. Now, while I like the movie, um, this is actually very relatable, like in general, to me, failure to launch is not just living with your parents. To me, failure to launch is having emotional intelligence. You lack emotional intelligence. Um, you very irresponsible with money budgeting. Like it, it, to me, it's more than just the fact that you live with your parents, right? So let's get into what it actually means. And we're just going to go through the steps, what it looks like. And then how can this um, be resolved? How can, how can someone move beyond failure to launch syndrome? This may help you, your kids, your grandkids, your aunties, your cousins, somebody. Because I know everybody got somebody in their family who is 60 years old and still live with their mama. And keep coming back to their mama house. Because to me, they have a failure to launch. Anyway, so failure to launch syndrome is not technically a syndrome. However, it is a term used to describe young adults. It's not just young though. To describe adults who do not venture out on their own when they reach adulthood. Individuals who have failure to launch syndrome struggle to leave their parents or caregivers homes to begin their own lives. I'm going to read that again. Failure to launch syndrome is not technically a syndrome. However, it is a term used to describe young adults who do not venture out on their own. We're going to use young and old adults. excuse me, um, who do not venture out on their own when they reach adulthood. Individuals who have failure to launch syndrome struggle to leave their parents or caregivers home to begin their own lives. You will absolutely hear the pages turning here. <laughs> All right, so here are some signs of failure to launch syndrome. Uh, you feel stuck. There's a lack of motivation. You do not engage, or they, excuse me, not you. They do not engage in activities involving responsibility, which is like school, employment, volunteer work, or even taking on more household tasks. Um, withdrawal or isolation and participating less and less in life. Starting school or work, but quitting and not replacing it with something else. These are some signs. This is, these are examples of what it can look like. Now we know that with all things, there are extremes and there are outliers. Okay. So remember that in everything that I'm going to discuss today, there are extremes and there are outliers. Now, Failure to lunch does not refer to people who may be living at home while they attend school or those who are working but reside and actively con contribute to their parents' household. 
I'm not talking about the people like, okay. So like my son, he contributes to this household. He has uh, a set amount that he has to send me every time he gets paid. He cleans the bathroom. I do not wash his clothes. I do not do any of that. He knows that he is responsible for cleaning his room, feeding himself, so on and so forth. He's 24, though. The man in this movie was 35. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, and let me say, my new format for this show is I'm going to talk until I'm done. Whatever that looked like. It could be 15 minutes. It could be 30. It could be four to five. It could be an hour, hour and a half or two. We're going to see how far we get. Okay. Cause I'm a little sleepy. I've been up late every night except last night. Anywho. So here are some general causes of failure to launch. And I'm going to go into each one of them. So there are societal issues. There are complex external factors like economic conditions that can also play a role. This could include the nature of the job market and employment availability, as well as the general cost of living. Employee status alone isn't enough to foster full independence. So you have poor wages, high cost of living, and debt like student loan payments, right? They also influence whether a person, an adult, must remain dependent on their parents for financial support. The way that this economy is right now, I can understand if more people are open to having roommates, if there are more parents who are open to having their adult children either move back home or stay home because the amount, I can say this. So I would usually spend about, $250 every two weeks for groceries. And that's like the full panel. Like I'm getting everything that's needed to cook for like the next two weeks, about 250 since the panorama, the panini that has gone up to 300 to between 300 and 350 every two weeks just to make sure that I have enough to for dinner so the kids can take lunches and they have their snacks. So yeah, I can understand that. The next part is screen culture. So adults have been impacted by the prevalence of technology that they've grown up with. You have the internet, you got smartphones, video games, and social media platforms, right? So consequently, many are observers of life rather than participating in it. So the pictures that are painted by social media and the so-called reality TV shows has resulted in a generation of young people or adults and or adults who feel disconnected from other people. Like they have a lack of like real life experiences because they spend so much time in the house and in front of a screen and they only have vague viewpoints of what their interests and passions are outside of screen time. For my children, we get home from picking them up about three o'clock from three o'clock until four they get to watch tv while they're eating their snack changing clothes things like that to getting out of their school uniforms and so on and so forth between four o'clock and six o'clock the tv is off because that is homework time that is time for you to do your chores on thursdays that is time for you to read a book That is time for you to draw, play with Play-Doh, something that does not involve a screen. And then when they speak to their father at six, between six and 7.45, they get to watch TV because they go to bed at 7.45, which they asked to go to bed at 7.45 because we are up at 5.30 in the morning. Okay. 
So you also have the parenting and family factors that contribute to failure to launch syndrome. Now you can blame someone's difficulties on bad parenting, but in most cases it's oversimplified. Like there are some parenting and family behaviors that contribute to failure to launch, whether it's intentional or unintentional, a parent's behavior can set kids up for over-reliance. The more involved the parents are, the more dependent the kids become and the more the parents feel they need to intervene, which fosters further dependence. There's a healthy balance between I'll do everything for you versus I'll do just a little bit and you do the rest. I'll do 10%. You got the 90 because you're teaching them that while they can be dependent, independence is better. Not now we know that, you know, in speaking in reference to the extremes, you can be extremely dependent and you can be extremely independent, but you got to find a balance. So here's the balance that I use with, um, mine, um, Sundays when they come home from their father, when I pick them up, I wash their uniforms and their regular clothes, right? I wash, I dry and I fold sometimes their uniforms. They put those on hangers and hang them up themselves and put them in their closets. Everything else, they put them up in the, in the designated drawers. Their chores, I write them down on a board. Everybody knows what they have to do for their chores. We switch our weeks. One child will do, will clean all the handles and doorknobs in the house. And one child gets a bathroom sink and counter that they clean. The other child does the trash, gathers the trash all around the house and replaces the trash bags and cleans a bathroom and a counter. This keeps them from feeling like they are always doing the same thing every time. They still have to sweep the living room when they finish eating. Like, so they have weekly chores. We have a schedule. We have a routine and we do not waver from that routine because they need to know that while they live here, it is still their responsibility to take care of their space. They still have to make their beds, have to clean up their beds. They have to clean up each side of their own room and make sure that their closet is organized. Cause we not having no failure to launches over here. <laughs> All right. Now we also have personality traits. This is another one. So someone could be for a variety of reasons, has intimacy and trust issues. They may find it difficult to broaden their horizons beyond their home base and to form new relationships needed for adult living, like having friends. Another factor that influences someone's ability to launch is a trait known as boredom proneness. It is a state of desiring independence, but not taking actions to establish it. Other characteristics that can contribute to failure to lunch include unrealistic goal setting, oof, lack of accountability, the tendency to blame others for an undesirable situation, and a lack of motivation to change. God damn. Mm. I'm going to read that again. Personality traits that can contribute to failure to launch syndrome is, could be, someone who has intimacy and trust issues. They may find it difficult to broaden their horizons beyond their home base or form new relationships needed for adult living and not relationships like romantic. That's like friendships. Do you have friends? Like in general, do you have someone that you can confide in? In general. Okay. Another factor 
that uh, influences someone's ability to launch is a trait known as boredom proneness. And that is a state of desiring independence, but not taking actions to establish it. Other characteristics that contribute to failure to launch include unrealistic goal setting, lack of accountability, the tendency to blame others for an undesirable situation and lack of motivation to change. I'm going to leave that right there. I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sit that one. I'm going to sit that one on down right there and just, uh, let that be what that's going to be because, um, yeah, I have a personal experience with some of those characteristics. Okay. So we have covered what failure to launch is, what that looks like. We've covered like general causes of failure to launch syndrome. Now we're going to talk about what disorders can worsen the failure to launch syndrome. So if someone has existing mental health issues like depression, anxiety, PTSD, etc., bipolar disorder, those can worsen the failure to launch. Because those kind of mental health disorders or challenges, they, they interfere with your thoughts, your emotions, and your behaviors, which can make it difficult to function independently. Because depending on what side of the extreme you are on, the less or the more, it may prevent you from actually being able to move independently in life especially if you're not on meds or, you know, seeking assistance for said mental health issues. So depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders, attention deficit, ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, PTSD and other trauma related disorders, eating disorders, substance abuse, and other addictions like a gaming addiction, gambling, things like that. Those are disorders that can worsen a failure to launch. Think about those extreme gamers that still live with their parents, but they have all the nicest equipment ever in the basement or the room of the house that they live in with their parents. And that is what they do all day long they will play that game all day long and they will not bathe they will barely eat and they will not brush their teeth which is absolutely gross however those are things that can worsen or put someone into a deeper space of failure to launch Anxiety and avoidance are common factors that are underlying, like the underlying factors for failure to launch syndrome. It is a pervasive feeling like it is called imposter syndrome, a fear of failure, uncertainty, intolerance, and toxic perfectionism. All of those can also assist in deepening your failure to launch, someone's failure to launch syndrome. If you've never heard of imposter syndrome, what imposter syndrome is, is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. 
that can also be self-sabotage. That every time the person gets close to succeeding, they'll do something to sabotage it because they, they feel like a fraud, like they don't deserve accolades or um, acknowledgement that they did a great job because they don't feel like they should be there anyway. So what does imposter syndrome feel like? So what it feels like is an uncomfortable feeling that you can experience when you think you're unqualified and incompetent. You might look around and assume everyone knows what they're doing except you. And if you achieve something good, you'll chalk your accomplishments up to good luck. So I have examples actually of that personal examples not me personally but what I've experienced so at work um there is an older lady who there are times when she struggles with technology and her understanding like how how fast she catches on she's been with the company over 30 years which is longer than I've been on this earth anywho she and I had a conversation. She said she felt like she was struggling after a training class, something new that she learned. So I started asking her questions like, okay, so what is it that you're experiencing? What is it that you feel like you don't know? She and I was on the phone for about 30 to 45 minutes. And the majority of that phone call was her giving examples of someone else who was in a training class who she felt like knew more than her based off of the questions that that other person asked. Well, this person does this better and this person knows this and this person knows that. And my question to her was, what does any of that have to do with you? What they do or do not know, what does that specifically Specifically have to do with you and what you do or do not know. And she said, well, you know, I never really thought about it. And I said, okay, so if they do know more than you, right? You're, you're working eight hours a day. If you spend six hours of your work day doubting what you know and thinking about how fast you think someone else is moving and what they're doing. How does that actually help you? Does that help your metrics or hurt your metrics? And she said, oh, it definitely hurts it. I said, okay, all right, so you can say that. All right, cool, cool. I said, let me tell you something. The person who you think knows the most simply based off of how they speak you actually know more than them. You actually have less questions than they do. So see, what you got to realize is there are some people who know how to play the game. There are some people who know how to sound like they know what they're talking about. And then there are those of us who know that they don't. She has imposter syndrome because of how she was raised. She was always taught that she was never smart enough. She, she was dumb. She was stupid. She would never amount to anything. And even in her 60s, she still feels the same way. That's what imposter syndrome is. Always comparing yourself to other people. You are exactly who you are. You are amazing. The things that you know, your skill set your knowledge, what you enjoy. Those are all the wonderful things that make you who you are. Focusing on what other people do versus what you think you are capable of can cause failure to launch in any area. Actually, it's not just leaving your family's, your, your parents home. It could be moving on to another career. Or starting a business or um, working out, losing weight, whatever it is. Fo focusing on other people 
and watching, oh, well, they did this in such amount of time. They're not you. Why are you worried about that? They ain't got shit to do with you. Everybody's different. Everybody's life experience is different. Whatever is out here for you will be for you. Move in your greatness. Move in your space for your life in this time. Not anybody else's because no matter how fast they lost weight, no matter how uh, how fast they climbed the ladder, no matter how quickly their business became successful, that shit ain't got nothing to do with you. Because what they do don't make you no money. It don't help you sleep better at night. What you can do, though, is focus on your attributes, what you know to be true about yourself. And go out into this world and be the great motherfucker that you are. All right. That's imposter syndrome. And I was encouraging you, you niggas who needed that. (laughs) All right. So in dealing with imposter, uh, not imposter syndrome, excuse me, failure to launch. There are actually communities and online platforms that uh, assist individuals who are on the extreme ends or not so extreme ends on how to navigate these spaces and get out of that. But let me say this in order to move beyond the failure to launch syndrome, the first thing you got to do is, is admit that you're there in whatever capacity you think you are there in. The second thing is you have to want to change because the following things that I'm going to speak of are in reference to therapy. And you can't get to these five until you get to the ones that we talked about first is acknowledging and being accountable for it. Knowing that, hey, this is something that is holding me back. I want to change and then taking the steps necessary to change. So there are five types of therapy that can assist with moving out of failure to launch syndrome. You have cognitive behavioral therapy. And what that does is it fosters healthy thought processes and patterns, and it addresses automatic negative thoughts Related to increasing responsibilities and independence. There are a lot, a lot of people who actually uh, struggle with the cognitive behavior. Because having more responsibility and independence can definitely be overwhelming. I have been there numerous times throughout my life. So I can understand how that would make some people be like, fuck that shit. I'm going to stay where I'm at versus actually being like, well, ain't but one way to figure this shit out. And that's just to move forward. You know, number two is uh, we're talking about the five types of therapy that can help with failure to launch syndrome. Number two is acceptance and commitment therapy and mindfulness training. So what this does is it boosts your ability to live in the present moment versus clinging to the past or worrying about the future. It also helps with identification of values and creating actionable steps to move towards those values. The ability to accept and commit to where you want to be in life is a struggle because you can't see in the future. You know what I mean? Like it's easier to look at the past and see what had happened to keep you from what can happen and what may happen. Number three, biofeedback and neurofeedback therapy. So this helps one to recognize and change physical reactions to anxiety and stress, which in turn positively affects thoughts and emotions. You know what? Reading these, these are actually things that I think people in general could 
benefit from having the cognitive behavior therapy, uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, biofeedback and neurofeedback. And we got two more, right? So number four is career counseling. This assists in exploring and discovering interests, increasing accountability and developing strategies to meet budding work or educational goals. Um, so a lot of, of adults assume that by the time a child graduates from high school, they they are supposed to know exactly what they want to do in life for the rest of their lives. There are some children who do know what they want to do. And there are some who don't, i.e. me. I had no clue. All I knew is, is that I was about to be somebody's mama and that is what I needed to focus on because I didn't know what what else to do, you know. But I think we should really um, look into, no, no matter the age, at career counseling because let's say I've been working the same job for 15 years. I'm just tired of doing this shit. A career counselor can help me figure out what is next which can help one move into a different space can be scary but you can move into a different career and take off in ways that you never thought you could by simply stepping outside of what you've known the last 15 years or however many years it has been you can take your life into a whole different, uh, on a whole different path. Hmm. And the last one that we have for five types of therapy to assist with moving forward um, beyond failure to launch syndrome is family therapy. So what that does is it addresses the family as well as the interaction patterns like within the family that can help improve relationships and decrease interdependence. That is setting boundaries, respecting the boundaries, holding true to the boundaries and not wavering from the boundaries. And this is coming from the parents or persons caregivers that they are living with because in order to get them to change you have to change you cannot continue to do the same thing and expect different results that is called insanity so in reference to the movie failure to launch when the counselor came when old girl came around uh she told them like you're going to have to make life a little bit more difficult for him. Don't wash his clothes. Don't clean his room. Don't clean his bathroom. Don't do his grocery shopping. Don't cook for him. Stop all of those things that you were doing. Stop doing it because that is the only way to garner independence. He didn't like that very much. So, Last and least, <laughs> last but not least, <laughs> um, another avenue that can be used to uh, move someone out of failure to launch syndrome is taking life skill classes. Because a lot of times with someone who has failure to launch syndrome, they're so used to someone doing it for them that they don't even know how to do it for themselves. So a life skills will help. So like with life skill classes, what they cover is social competence, academic learning, if you need that, organization, planning, goal setting, accountability, stress management, and adjustment with adaptability. And I think every person in the world needs these life life skill classes because 
there are a lot of people who need a number of these. And I think it would benefit the work. It, it would benefit the people who they expose themselves to on a daily basis. If they had life skill classes. Yeah. I like that. I done learned some shit today. Yeah. Yeah, that was all right right there. That was a good um fairy to launch syndrome. Hmm. What I'm going to do is actually, you know, look inward and make sure that I am ensuring that my children, especially the younger ones, don't have fair to lunch syndrome and making sure that especially with the this uh life skill the life skill things classes and the to make sure that they have social competence and they know how to organize and plan. I think a lot of these I am doing goal setting and accountability teaching them how to manage stress which means I got I have to learn how to manage stress how to I have to know how to adjust and adapt in order to teach them to do so so it's this is like twofold which I'm really excited about cuz I think I'm doing a good job I try my best to do a good job to make sure that my children are emotionally uh they can adapt emotionally mentally and physically to different types of situations versus having a complete meltdown every time something changes. Um, I didn't realize that there were some things that I was doing earlier in my life, my early to mid twenties, that if you were looking at me, I definitely had failure to launch syndrome because I lived with my parents until I was what, 28? Yeah, until I was 28, moved out once and then came back. Um, but I always, I always had a job though, because <laughs> I always had a job. Um, anywho, I hope that this was rushed. I am sleepy as hell. So if y'all need me to come back and slow down and provide more information, Please let me know, but it is uh, 10 o'clock and I am trying to get to bed before 1130 tonight because a bitch is sleepy as a motherfucker. Okay. So anyway, I hope that um, you enjoyed learning about the failure to launch syndrome. And um, if you have any comments or questions or any topics that you'd like for me to discuss, Please feel free to um, reach out to me on social media. I'll go over what my social media platforms are after we um, get past the um, audacity segment. So, un momento, a por favor, and I'll be right back so we can get to it. All right, so this is the audacity segment where I read Reddit ridiculousness posts and give my comments on this bullshit that these people be talking about and the things that they be going through. So this one was actually pretty funny. I enjoyed the fuck out of this one because wow. All right, so this one is. Am I the asshole for framing and hanging pictures of slaughtered animals on the walls of the apartment I share with my vegan roommate? And it reads, I share an apartment suite through my university housing system with another guy. He believes very strongly in veganism and hates the fact that I cook and eat meat. It especially bothered him as he could smell it when I was cooking. I personally am not anti-vegan. I think it's an ethical cause and I support anyone who wants to cut back their meat intake for ethical reasons. 
I do eat meat in moderate quantities. Near the start of the term, early September, he approached me and asked me to stop storing meat in the fridge and freezer. I think he thought that he had prevented me from eating meat after I grudgingly agreed. But I brought a new mini fridge, freezer combo to keep in the kitchen for my own stuff like meat or things I didn't want him to be eating because he has a tendency to borrow food. It worked out well for a few days. I enjoyed having my own fridge and he liked having no meat in the main fridge. Then he found the meat and got quite pissed off. He couldn't do anything like throw out the food as I could always talk to campus security and have them reprimand him. He decided to start printing color pictures. (laughs) There we go. All right. So he decided to start printing color pictures of abused, dying, slaughtered, and other similar anti-meat photos and put them on each package of meat I had. He even themed them so a package of chicken breasts would have a headless bleeding chicken. A lamb chop would have an injured lamb. Milk would have an image of a cow with sores in her udders. It didn't particularly bother me as I grew up on a farm. I started collecting the ones he put on my food and eventually bought some frames and hung them on the walls on my side of the communal area. So we have a living room on either side of the kitchen. He flew into a rage and threatened to report me for pictures of dead animals. I talked to the housing administrator and she just laughed and said it seemed like a fair response. She apologized and said they couldn't move him out unless he, they couldn't move him out unless he did anything worse or they couldn't move him. They could not move him due to the room shortage but that they would monitor things. I'm a couple years older than most people in the dorms as I work on co-op at a mine every other term and I switch programs so they know I can hold my own if he gets pushy. I am also only in the residence for a term at a time so this won't stew for an entire year. And he says, am I the asshole? Did I go too far in hanging the photos? Despite what my post may seem to imply, he's not a terrible person aside from the vegan issues. He just lacks real world experience and was raised in a very privileged family where he didn't have anyone to stand up to him. I'd be happy to open a dialogue with him about it and agree to reach a solution like I only cook meat when he's not around and run fans to disperse the odor. But I'm not willing to fully stop cooking meat like he wants me to. I'm big and athletic and meat is the easiest way for me to get the calories and protein I need. And I like eating meat. It tastes good. Uh, I personally do not think that he is the asshole. Um, as my partner says, uh, he responded in kind. How the fuck are you going to get mad at me? Because I took the pictures that you put on my food and put them in a the frame on the wall. Not not on your walls. On my walls, on my side of the living room. This These vegans be on some other shit. Like I understand like the the poster, like I understand that you are vegan, right? I understand that you don't like me, but you cannot impose that shit onto me. We are roommates. You can't tell me what the fuck I can and can't have in the refrigerator. And you damn sure not about to put no pictures on my fucking shit. Cause now we're going to be, now it's going to be some furniture moving in this motherfucker. Now we're going to be fighting and now the RA is going to have to come and break us up and somebody going to have to move or 
See, I'm petty. I didn't go to college. So I never had like a roommate. Honestly, I never had a roommate. Like someone that I was not attached to in any relationship form. Never had a roommate. Um, I don't know if I wouldn't have taken some of the blood juice from the meat and put a cross over his door or kind of, you know, splatter. See, this is why I don't need a roommate because I can make you move. I can, I can make you move out because you don't want to put the issue with the meat, not me. You can eat all the soy, uh, imaginary burgers or whatever the fuck that shit is that y'all want to eat. You can eat that. But I don't have a problem with the smell. You got the problem with the meat smell. I will cook a steak every fucking day. I will cook chicken. Like, is this what you want to do? Personally, I do not think that the poster was the asshole. The asshole is actually the vegan. Is ass vegan? Because he's like a supreme asshole. So, like, would ass be vegan? And that's why he's so good at being an asshole. Hmm. Never thought about that. Maybe I need to explore explore that a little bit more. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, that's all the energy that I have to give today. Uh, I'm going to do a better job next week. To make sure that this is not rushed. Like if it sounded or felt rushed. Remember please let me know. And you know how you can let me know. You can actually let me know. By emailing me at. It's the candy bag B. At gmail.com. On Facebook at the candy bag B. Or on Instagram. At the candy bag underscore B. Again. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you all for your patience and understanding while I went through my shit and my hiatus over the last couple of months. And um, please, please, please continue to have a good morning, a good evening, and a good night.